You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you played hardcore music and you started to feel that, yeah, you want more melodies, you don't just want to be angry, that you, 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 start, to, you start to listen to other bands, maybe bands that do a little bit more melodic stuff and maybe un, unexpected things. And all of a sudden you sit there with an album from Mogwai or Explosions in the Sky and you, you just dream, dream yourself away and like, oh, this is fucking beautiful. And maybe, What if you can combine this dreamy, post-rockish 16-minute songs to more indie, indie? So that's kind of what formed EF sound. Like you, you take the explosions in the sky, long, long songs, and 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 combine them with the with the vocal parts, and that we got more from the the good emo years. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you Brutal Montreal 2023. That's right. Brutal Montreal is back, and it's coming up on April 15th at MTELUS. This year's event will feature performances by Clutch, Amigo the Devil, and Nate Bergman. If you are planning on coming to Brutal Montreal 2023, well, you better grab your tickets right now via voxandhops.com slash brutalmtl. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com slash brutalmtl. And you'll be taken to the official page where you can grab your tickets. I'm beyond stoked to have teamed up with Heavy Montreal to create a brand new metal and beer fest in my hometown of Montreal. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now for today's artist spotlight, I'm very stoked to be shining some light on the experimental rock metal band Todd. Get ready everyone. Here is their track Love's Lament. <laughs>
you're fractured, you're so confused You're looking for answers, but I know you You'd probably spit them in the face if they didn't suit you And you're not remorseful, you don't take things back You're stubborn and reckless, but you know that It must be nice to never make mistakes You played a victim in all your true That was sweet. I really enjoyed all the melodic sides of this track. Something completely different for the artist spotlight that I've been doing for the past few weeks. Todd is a two-man band that started out as a passion project to explore their musical ideas from vastly different hard rock genres, from heavy metal sound to dreamlike post-rock, with the occasion indie or math rock element. Love Lament that you just heard is a culmination of all of these ideas... Todd's Love's Lament dropped back on January 30th, and it is the first single from their upcoming EP, which will be dropping this spring. If you enjoyed Todd's Love Lament and would like to find out more about the band, you can go and check them out via the link that I've put in the description of this podcast. Massive cheers to Todd for being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. 
If there's someone in your life that just loves post-rock and post-metal, well, you should let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 390 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your post-metal or post-rock loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Nicholas Ostrom of the band EF. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 398. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with Nicholas Ostrom of EF, a post-rock band that I absolutely love. Um, I think it's the first, maybe the second post-rock artist that I have on a metal podcast, and people are like, why? It's because I love love post-rock and i was very stoked when robin from the ocean from pelagic records uh, made the introduction for us to have this chat so massive shout out to robin for doing that and i love pelagic records people know that because you listen to that episode uh simple nicholas how are you doing yeah i'm doing absolutely fine it's saturday night and uh, sitting here with you is it's cool. It's a cool way to spend the Saturday night. I agree. It's. Uh, I agree that I am actually in Winnipeg right now. It's brutal Winnipeg tonight. Um, I came here yesterday. I enjoyed a bunch of great beers with my friend Dan. We went to four breweries. It was it was a great great uh, great night. So I'm very happy to be with you. Um, let's let's just you just, just took a sip of something. Let's get into it. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. What beer do you have on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually today? Yeah, I'm actually drinking uh, Stieg Berget's Brewery, a uh, local brewery from Gothenburg. Uh, this was actually one of the first New England styled IPAs I tried in 2016. And uh, it was a kind of new deal in, in Sweden back then. And um, since then, it's exploded, of course. Yes. The, the tropical fruity hops and soft mouthfeel. But uh, now the, the brewery has a 10-year anniversary of their successful uh, IPA. So they re-released it. Well, I love revisiting things that you fall in love with. And breweries tend to, like give us stuff and then take it away which which is which is sort of smart of them right it's a marketing but it, it's nice to revisit things i like that very much uh on my side i'm going to be drinking occult classic from sukram's brewing from here in winnipeg i was there yesterday with andrew shout out to andrew this is a takeout they have a cult classic which is a pilsner um this is a dark lager occult classic it's a five percent dark lager I'm going to crack this, and I would love to hear about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you ever drank? Oh, man, I, I, I guess I was pretty young, you know, when you, when you stole beers from your parents' basement <laughs> or something and, and, and sat in a, in a snow pile outside in, in, in the minus degrees and, and shared it with a couple of friends and became really drunk. I'm not sure if you actually... <laughs> became drunk. Well, I think probably we did. We we got excited. Yeah. That's for sure. But that's yeah, very exactly. Swedish to do, sitting in yeah. a snow pile. <laughs> uh, definite memories being from here in yeah. Canada yeah. Uh, of drinking beer outside, and it's so cold that your beer starts to freeze. So you're yeah. drinking the beer and there's like little pieces of slush in it. And that's a memory <laughs> that I have. And it's something that probably not other people <laughs> have experienced maybe. And that's kind of a style right now to actually do all these sour beers, slush style. So It's true. See, we, we were before our time. We were first. Yeah, we were first. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. This uh, occult classic 
is awesome. It uh, pours out really, really sweet. It's a dark brew. Um, it's nice bitter bite. It's creamy. Really, really nice. Uh, Suckrum's Brewing people, check it out if you haven't. Uh, how about craft beer? Did you, did you? It just sort of evolved so crazily in Sweden. I've spoke to a lot of Swedish musicians, and the craft beer boom was just massive in Sweden. So, so how quickly did you fall into the trap of of the rabbit hole of craft beer enthusiasm? I mean, I, I've always been enjoying beers, like most musicians do, and. Uh, when you're starting to tour in Europe, you know, you get, uh, you got to find all the Belgian beers and, yeah. and all the stuff that some, that, that was something else. But then I did a trip to the U S to the New York side and, and there was so much hoppy beers going on back then. And it's like, this is something else. This is, this is not beer. And that, was, <laughs> that, that wasn't, e- that wasn't even the New England IPAs. That was more the classic American IPAs. The more bitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and right now it's ridiculous how much money you can spend on spend on craft oh, yeah. beer if you if you're still interested. But uh, yeah, I mean it's the the beer boom in, in Sweden is incredible since it's a pretty small country. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many brewers we have. It's every single shithole has at least one brewer. <laughs> I've spoken about this with other Swedish artists. Uh, the system bogolet. Am I saying that right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's like the monopoly of if you want to get higher ABV beers, you have to go to System Bogolet. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, run by the government because the government mm-hmm. doesn't believe that Swedes can handle alcohol. Then we will get drunk and, and, and ruin the, the country. So they have to control it. So you have to really plan your drinking, which is kind of annoying in one way. Because people have told me that it closes and it's open at weird hours, so you 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 do have other people have told me that too. You have to be organized. There's no like late night. Oh, I'm gonna go grab a six pack. It's closed, and you'll have to drink. Th- uh, it's three percent beer that you can buy elsewhere. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So you you really plan your your week in ahead, and you buy a lot of beers to drink both Friday and Saturday. But since it's often so fun to drink, then you end up drinking in the mall on Friday. So, that, <laughs> so then you're out on Saturday anyways. I need to go get new ones. So I don't know about how this is really working out for the Swedish government. <laughs> they seem to figure something out. <laughs> I'd love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? The problems with my parents is that they totally not interested in music at, at all. I mean, my dad... Mm. Probably listen a little bit to, to Elvis Presley and Chuck Berry stuff. But my mom is really not, not, not musical at all. Uh, she listened to the radio. That's kind of this thing. But I, I grew up with two, two older brothers that were really into to music. And Bruce Springsteen, Michael Jackson. And later on, I got introduced to Metallica and Guns N' Roses in the 80s. And yeah, fr- from there on, you, you just find your way yourself with the grunge wave with Nirvana and and then the hardcore scene in Sweden were exploding in the mid-90s with Refused and a, a lot of cool stuff so yeah I, I think I've done pretty good on the on the musical path <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah without my parents help <laughs> I, I have spoken to a lot of brother, musicians that have like older siblings and they introduce a bunch of stuff that way into their life and get exposed to a bunch of amazing artists. What would be an artist that you introduced to your brothers at a young age? Do you remember the first one that you were like, you have to listen to this and they hadn't heard it yet? 
Yeah, I don't. I'm not really. I think they were more into the metal uh, or or hard rock scene, like I said, with Metallica and Guns N' Roses, and maybe a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of the Sepultura or Pantera. But then I started to listen to more of the Swedish hardcore, which was. I, I don't really know if they got it or not, but I. I I think I introduced refuse to the to our, our household. And was your, your your parents like receptive to this aggressive music coming in? Your brothers listening to all this metal music, or was it scary for them, or were they just accepting this is what the kids listen to now? I think they were more happy that we just didn't bother them that much. That we were, <laughs> they were closed in our our rooms and listened to heavy music instead of being fighting with each other in the kitchen or something. So I think I think they were like let let the boys do what they what they gotta do, <laughs> so we, we can have some parent parent time. <laughs> Amazing. So so music gave them that, which is great. Uh, at what point did music become more than just a listenership? At what point did you start performing music? Uh, at what point did you get the itch to be a musician? Yeah, we 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 have in Sweden we have this um, also also the government done something right with the the uh, in school you learn to practice instruments that's amazing yeah yeah which means that you can for free like choose to play drums for example for a couple of years and 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 you don't even have to buy a drum kit or your parents doesn't have to buy a drum kit you can just go to the school and you you get it all served so i think in in the early 90s when when you go started to go to the youth houses uh, and uh, they have some practice room with all so the cool. gears yeah, yeah and and you can just uh, book it for 3 hours or something and 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 rock out with your friends and yeah uh, once again i think the hardcore scene was what got me into playing music uh, it was the, the exactly this right age when you become old enough to to understand things and and become a little bit angry on stuff and and you need to let that frustration out uh, and the hardcore music helped us yeah i'm also growing up in the in the north of sweden with a kind of the same uh, temperature as you have in toronto so, so it's half cold. The, yeah, the cold, and, and half the, half of the year it's it's really dark and cold. So the the hardcore music helped us to heat up a little bit and and scream it out. It's so amazing. I think I think it's so amazing that Sweden offers that to kids. Um, I think it's so important. And then people are always like, "Well, how did Sweden have this boom of musicians? Why this is why? It's because." music is is a part of education it's 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 a primary subject it's it's more it's as it's important as english and math and literature um and i wish that more countries invested in the artistic future of their cultures i, I think it would be very important having the the jam rooms available for kids to because what are kids gonna do right what are kids gonna do if they can't go play music they're gonna go do stupid shit <laughs> so let them have that cathartic release of playing music with their friends and being artistic and expressive so that they're not using this energy negatively. I think it, I think it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you heard right now about all the, all the uh, strange things that are happening in Sweden with all the, the shootings and the bombing wow. and yeah. Yeah, the, 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 gang, the gang things. Uh, and that, that's also <laughs> kind of because they also had the same opportunity with probably the, the jam rooms and the computers and everything with a gangster rap and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's in a, such a small country, Sweden, music can take so many turns. And I mean, you can involve so, so much people, but 
you, some people turn to, to the good stuff and some people turn to the bad stuff. That's, that's human nature right there. We, we can, you can plant a garden, all the same seeds in the same garden with the same light, and then sometimes some plants grow differently. It's, it's, it's life, right? All the same opportunities, but people choose different paths because we have free will, right? <laughs> uh, how about your first show? Do you remember your first time going to see a show, um, the first band that you went to go see ever? I think I was seeing a band called Fireside. You know them from, from Sweden? They were really early with playing some kind of quicksand-sounding hard hard emo early emo when emo wasn't a, a bad word when emo was <laughs> <laughs> something good <laughs> uh, it was in a big uh, big sports hall uh, i think it was uh, breach you know breach nope nope sorry also yeah. swedish swedish uh, early if you ask robin from the ocean he, he, he played with a, a, a few of the breach guys in his uh, projects um, but I think uh, it was one of those you, you gather the best, the biggest bands from the from this town in a big gymnastics hall, and you you threw in three hundred kids with wide pants and uh, band t-shirts, and only sell uh, soft drinks, of course. And all of them were high in sugar, and they just wanted to scream and jump around and. Yeah, mosh pitting. It was my first experience, and I, I think I was maybe 14, and I, I I never experienced that kind of happy violence in one way. Yes, yes, thank <laughs> you. Yes, I'm doing a whole project right now about mosh pits called Pit Culture, showcasing the beautiful social things that happen in a mosh pit that looks so chaotic and violent, but in, in, its, in its essence, it's a pure joy. Yeah, and I, I was standing there. I was just a young kid, and I, I I was too afraid to join a mosh pit there and then. But of course, I was still pumped up with adrenaline just watching it because it's a it's a it's a tumble dryer. <laughs> it so just cool. becomes yeah. more and more. So um, yeah, I think the show after I, I, uh, the next show I went to, I, I joined the mosh pit and even, I think I even did my first stage dive, the, the, the show afterwards. Amazing. So it really got me going. It's like, I need to be a part of this. It's, it's amazing to see all these people. Were you already playing in school at that point or did it start after the show? No, I was already playing in school, but I mean, it, it wasn't like that in my, in my school orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, there's no, no, no circle pits at the school band practice. At what point did you end up on stage? Do you remember your first show? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was in the earlier hardcore age as well. So it's, it was it probably wasn't many years later on. But I, I didn't start out as a drummer. I, I did start out as a, as a vocalist or as a screamer. I, I couldn't really play much instruments, and, and, but I could scream a lot. And did that come naturally to you? I don't know. I, I think it, when you're young and starts to scream, your voice can sound very different from person to person. That's true. <laughs> you tap, so tap I think the I, mic. And... 
Yeah, exactly. So I think I had one of the voices that pretty much fitted a, a, a more mature hardcore sound, maybe. But uh, quickly, I, I, I wanted to, to play drums instead. And, uh, and in my later projects, I, I've been playing drums. So that's now, now I would, wouldn't do much uh, vocals. I, I did on, on the last album, we actually uh, involved some kind of screaming on two tracks, which is, uh, I'm, I'm part of it. <laughs> that, that was a first for, for EF. Uh, and of course, you're talking about We Salute You, You and You, which came out on November 4th via Pelagic Records. Uh, I look at it as a return. I don't know if I'm correct with that. Um, it took five years between you released uh, with tiny fingers i want to say a split with them and then before that i think was ceremonies which was many years to the 2013 so 10 years ago uh but crypt cryptopsy takes just as long and but i wouldn't say that we're doing a comeback <laughs> so <laughs> talk to me about taking a break and coming back and what this all meant to you i was happy and i was super stoked when i saw the the album i get the emails from pelagic and i saw that that you guys were coming back and i was like oh yes because i went through I, I really went through a deep deep uh post-rock rabbit hole because of uh, my friend mel cleal who's a, a friend of house she showed me uh this will destroy you and then from there i just like started just digging and digging it's funny because i'm montreal and i got into godspeed way later not realizing that they're the one of the pioneers basically of the genre i was stoked that it was back because i really really enjoyed ceremonies i really the, the grand grand delusion i want to say is another one delusions of grand area thank you yes i loved love those records and i'd listen to them a lot and i would put them on like i put them on i work in daycare right so at nap time i've put yeah. ef on a lot for the kids during nap and i still do so so i'm stoked to be talking to you all of this leading cool, up to cool, cool. i was happy that you guys were releasing a new album and it came out and it's amazing so talk to me about taking a break coming back was it a break was it a scheduled break was it something that you actually wanted to take a break or did it just happen the way that cryptopsy it takes us forever to do something i think so with ceremonies we 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 never been a band that's been working with the music we we always been a band that has been using the music as some kind of getaway because uh, we all have regular day jobs and we're working with uh, you know nine, nine to five jobs five or six days a week and we all have like starting to form uh, families had girlfriends for 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 too long and and you know yeah, maybe you want to focus a little bit more on, on, on growing up than, than going on touring to drink free beers and eating cheese sandwiches in a backstage room. Yeah. <laughs> so to, 2013, with the ceremonies, we, we said, like, this is the album where we need it to really happen something. If it doesn't happen with ceremonies, maybe we don't have that much more to give. You know, you come to a point where, you, where when you release your fourth album and you still feel that you're on the same level as your last album like if it doesn't happen now we really need to to reconsider what 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 ef is about and we did a lot of touring with it we, we started to play some festivals uh, we met the ocean guys and and got encouraged encouraged by by them a little bit and uh, uh, yeah but Nothing really happened. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> it just sort of, and, and it I, just sort of petered out. Is, is yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the album was really well receptive and everything, but it, we didn't really 
nothing comes by itself. You really need to work to make things happen. But but we were like we didn't feel that we got the the flow that we needed to to keep it up. And then the first kid, the first EF baby came, which meant one year break. And then the second came, and then the yeah. And when when one starts a family, it's easy for the next one to start a family because there's a like a permission. You you almost have permission yeah, to a, take time away. Yeah. So then we did the the split EP because we were talking a lot with the uh, with the pelagic records about releasing something for them, and uh, we were like, yeah, but we have a couple of songs who might need to to do something with, like one one last shot. <laughs> And uh, the EP, we did a lot of, a lot for, for EF, a lot of touring with it as well. Uh, but in 2018, we kind of said to each other that maybe we, this is it. Maybe, okay. maybe, maybe we reached a point where... We've reached, we've reached as high as we can climb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we, we don't want to become uh, too commercial. Interesting. To, to do something. We, we, we still want to do what EF are about to do. And uh, we felt maybe we maybe we can't do it anymore and put the same energy into it anymore as as we want to. And then the COVID came, and with the COVID, it was easy to just blame the pandemics that we didn't need to see each other for a couple of years. And uh, I remember my girlfriend asked me like. Eh, are you guys still active? Because you're still like working with the EF stuff, but you never see the other guys in EF. <laughs> so are you guys still active or not? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just doing EF stuff <laughs> like I always do, sending merch and answering emails and updating our Instagram. And Interesting. Stuff like so that. you're running the whole band. Let's yeah, say, but, let's say let's say running the whole band, but there was no real goal in sight. We were just no, doing no. it out, out of habit almost. Yeah, the, the band didn't talk to each other. We, we were just floating <laughs> differently. And uh, during the pandemics, I like, let's try to reach out to the guys and see if, if there is some interest to, to, to create music. Because during the pandemics, a lot of people stopped seeing grandparents and going on vacations and, and whatever. A little, a little window of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, so like maybe maybe we can find a week or two to just meet up and and try to do something and, and um, we did. And during that weekend, I think we did more music than we done for the last eight or nine years. Amazing music that felt like we could actually keep as well. You know, sometimes yes. you feel yeah, this is a keeper and this is like just. It was fun to play it, but it's exactly true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but this this is EF. This is this is something that we could showcase and move on and be proud of. So 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 the pandemic basically almost gave you a gift of having the band come back. Yeah, it gave us the gift that we suddenly had a lot of time, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> yeah, which is good. So time, time is precious as we get older. Time time is precious. Exactly, and. Um, and the, the 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 kids that were were born in in the in the late twenties, they started to, yeah, go to kindergarten and stuff like that. So there was also time to <laughs> to get away for a few hours. But yeah, so that that was that was uh, that was good for us in in one way. And and it all of a sudden it, it all went pretty quick. We we talked to Pelagic because they they'd be reaching out to us and and uh, and we said like 
maybe we have a record for you, but... You have to wait. Be patient. <laughs> Robin had mentioned to me that when he signs a band, he likes to sign them for a few albums so that he can build the band. He, he wants to, to build a relationship and build a band up. So is that something that you did with them? Because I think that Ceremonies was not on Pelagic. No, Ceremonies was not on Pelagic. We, we released the Delusions of Grandeur EP we released on Pelagic and released the, the Split EP with Tiny Fingers on Pelagic. But he, he didn't build us up. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he just got EF. And, but of course, he, he now had the... the if, if there will be another album, he, uh, of course, have, the, have it on his You'll go back to Pelagic. So, so the relationship yeah. with Pelagic you're happy with. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, we, we, we thought it maybe it takes two years for us to finish an album, but it took like two months. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. and then we rented a studio and we met up in the studio to just record whatever we had on our demo, on our cell phones or whatever. All the ideas, just emptying all the, the voice memo, all those voice memo ideas. I love them. Yeah, exactly. And just record them with real instruments and uh, and let them grow. And like, yeah, I think we had a, an album way before the 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 vinyl market was ready to to print another album. It's 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 insane how long it takes to to from A to Z when you hand in an album until it's actually people don't understand this but it takes forever it's getting a little bit better but during the pandemic it was really 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 horrible yeah so i think we were ready in yeah february 21 okay oh my gosh no no february february 22 okay and then it takes about 10 11 months and it came out yeah crazy so we released the first single in in september Mm -hmm. so six months to release a digital single it's crazy. It's crazy. People don't understand. People don't understand how long. And then, and then by that point, it's we're, it's old to us, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we were sick and tired of the songs. We we were already <laughs> starting to to write new stuff. Like, Good. Well, that's I want I want to I wanna hear more stuff from EF. So so let's keep it going. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about post rock specifically now. Now you're from the hardcore scene. You fell into a post rock band. Um, post rock really. I had like a massive boom late 2000s let's say um do you feel like post-rock why why did it peter out is, is my first question i have a few other questions about post-rock why do you think post-rock sort of petered out i mean when you played hardcore music and you started to feel that yeah you want more melodies you don't just want to be angry that you you, you start to you start to listen to other bands maybe bands like yeah, at the drive-in or bands that do a little bit more melodic stuff and maybe freak out a little bit and 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 do un- unexpected things, and all of a sudden you sit there with an album from Mogwai or Explosions in the Sky and you you just dream dream yourself away and like oh this is fucking beautiful. What if you can combine this dreamy post-rockish 16-minute songs to more in the in the to, towards the hardcore stuff but not becoming like a, a post-metal band or something like that so that's kind of what formed EF sound like you you take the explosions in the sky long long songs and 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 combine them with the with the vocal parts and that we got more from the 
the good emo years. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting that that post rock seems to have sort of slowed down and that there's less because there was a moment where everyone there was a lot of post-rock bands like a lot of them now i feel like there's much less and i'm wondering if that has to do with a lot of these explosions in the sky is a perfect example and mogwai uh these uh, these bands are not necessarily releasing albums anymore because they're getting hired to do soundtracks and obviously if you're getting hired to do a soundtrack you're getting paid a lot of money I would imagine. So, so is that, and then the time that you would put into a new album, into touring a new album, becomes heavy, right? Compared to just writing a soundtrack and getting a lot of money. Do you think that that affected the scene in any way? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, it, it's becoming a, so much more new bands filling up the gaps from the from the from the old giants. It's uh, as you mentioned, Godspeed You Black Emperor. They they're still doing their thing. They, record after record, they're still doing this, the Godspeed thing, which is, yeah, I mean, hands down, they're one of the, the greatest. But bands like Mogwai, they, they try to do stuff that is more more in poppy and they do soundtrack things and they do the the more aggressive stuff. They they real floating around and, and doing their own thing as well. But I mean, whenever one of these bands disappears for too long for doing soundtracks or whatever there comes 10,000 new young bands that's sounding pretty much exactly the same I'm not saying they're super good <laughs> all of them <laughs> well, so, so but, that, but, that's, uh, that, that is cool that there is a, you, you do see that there's a revitalization of the post-rock scene from my perception I could be I'm obviously wrong maybe is that it, it in 2013 2012 it sort of just petered out and the, the post-rock seemed to have almost disappeared yeah I mean a lot, a, lot, a lot as I said a lot of the big bands maybe have disappeared a little bit but they're still around I mean Mogwai Explosions uh, Godspeed also, the the younger ones uh, like Caspian or Caspian, this, yeah, this, yeah, this will destroy you. Maybe have have disappeared now. I'm not really sure, but they, they're still around somewhere, lurking and just waiting to <laughs> to get out there again. They, they uh, made a but, soundtrack for a restaurant, which is super sick. <laughs> okay, I, I hope it's at a good good restaurant. I, I think it, it's like a fancy <laughs> restaurant, and, and yeah. they have different. I think there's. I might be wrong, but there's like different rooms, and the rooms play the songs. Ah, okay. It's pretty. Okay. It's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw. I, I saw that release. I didn't really understand what it was about. Yeah, I thought cool. they was just smoking out and and doing some ambient <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but it, that that sounds like a great idea, though. It's but, pretty cool. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's so many young bands coming up. I think on Instagram, there's a lot of bands adding us, and you never heard about them, and and you listen to them, and you're like, okay, this is, this is a post rock band, another one. So I mean, the post the post rock the post rock scene is still growing or, or still alive, but there's few of the big ones. The the big ones are still very big. It feels like the middle section is a little bit panning out. Well, that, that gives me hope because because I love it. I love Postruck is something about the dreamscape that it, it, it creates, painting a picture. It's very different from Cryptopsy, obviously, but <laughs> I appreciate it very, very, very much. Uh, something that's really important for me is mental health. I would love to hear your thoughts about mental health and how you personally take a moment to analyze yourself and make sure that you're doing okay. And if you're not doing okay, what steps do you take to, to try to make yourself feel better? 
the 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 thing with EF why we had such a long break is actually that our uh, core member Danny actually got hospitalized yeah <clears throat> because of of his mental health uh, there was a lot of stuff going on and he he, he was kind of self medicating with with alcohol and different substitutes for for medicine and um when he disappeared the most yeah the kind of ef sound kind of disappeared with him and maybe that's also why we didn't create much music after the 2016 release with the tiny fingers that was the the last stuff he was doing but we never really saw that one coming to answer your question like we we were all about like yeah he's he's uh, he's danny we loved him for for the crazy person he was and but he was feeling like ill and he couldn't really maybe talk to us about it uh, which i think is is pre- pretty common when you when you're a tight group and you're touring and and you take each other for granted a lot you 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 when you're on tour you always want people to yeah do the job in one way like everyone has their 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 purpose and their the part to do someone taking care of the techniques and someone is taking care of the the, the managing things and and um, yeah there's so much things that you need to do all the time and so you kind of maybe lose each other in that that you like you don't see each other for that the persons they maybe are you 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 just they they are your band members they they you don't see if they feel ill or if you understand what i mean i do no i i completely understand cuz you're so close with people on tour tight knit um spaces yet if a person is shielded it'll be hard to figure that out because you're you're definitely as you said, take them for granted to do their job of what they're supposed to be doing on the road with you because everyone does end up having their tasks that repeats day after day because, as Nine Inch Nails says, Trent Reznor says, every day is exactly the same on tour despite it being completely different. Um, so what? What's, he stepped away. He had to get hospitalized to reassess how he was self-medicating himself. Uh, I hope that he's doing better now. Yeah, he he was one of the reasons why we actually could ever release this album because when he got better and and we reached out to him to yeah check up on him and see that the meds were working and he and he said like yeah I really miss playing music and we were like yeah but maybe we can try now because it's Corona and none of us are doing anything and none none of us are going abroad or 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 heading out to restaurants every week and maybe maybe we can just team up and play some music and see how you feel about it because. He hadn't touched an instrument for a few years, and and yeah, as soon as we sat down, we created more music in one weekend that we'd be doing for for. It just felt so good that he 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 got this output in one way too. I think he had a lot of stuff in him, and now when he feels better, it's we were afraid to actually ask him to 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 release this album with us, and you know, put the pressure on him to. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to create an album and and also to fulfill it and and go out to to tour with it is that something that is in the plans that you guys going to tour it with danny Uh, we we toured in in november and uh, it worked pretty well 
he he we we made sure that he he was okay and he got his meds from his doctor to to be able to handle the depression and uh, we made sure he got a single room so he doesn't have to listen to our stupid voices all the time it, it can get heavy it, can... <laughs> it, it gets heavy for, for us it, for, for us it's not heavy for for us it's necessary but for, for someone that is not into in, in the same uh, space yeah. <laughs> in the same in the same mental stage it's, it's probably pretty hard to just talk to talk to fans at the at the merch table oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can t- completely understand and see that. So, so good for you guys for being so. Well, he's like it's a family, a band, right? So, so you're you're like nurturing and taking care of this family member, so that you can still work together for future things. I think it's super important. I think a lot of people don't realize that some of the favorite bands that they have, some of the people when they created that music or when they played those shows for you, they were not okay. They were they were going through some issues, and it takes like a family to make sure that those shows and those releases happen to take care of people. And it's okay to not be okay. It's important to be a work in progress. It's okay to be a work in progress too, but you have to take care of your your people when they're not feeling well. Yeah, I mean it's hard to see the signals, but I mean you're sitting in a tour van for maybe six or eight hours a day to to, to another show, but you st- you still can't see how anyone is feeling. I mean, you, you you ask them like, yeah, what's up or how do you feel? And everyone's always saying, yeah, I'm okay. It's okay. I mean, I'm just tired. I'm just, I just want to strip. I just want us to get there so we can start sound checking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, good for, good for you guys for being so sensitive yeah. with him and taking care of him. And I send uh, loads of positivity towards Danny. And I hope that he continues on this path of finding cathartic release through new EF music and uh, staying on those meds that are working for him. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I'm doing a whole new segment called Fight the Hops, where I ask my guests one thing that they are working on that they would like to accomplish. It could be something physical. It could be something mental. It could be something career-wise. What are you doing right now to fight the hops? What we're doing right now, we're trying to fucking survive this in, in, in economically shit show that is going around in the world with the, the, the third world war around the corner and and electricity bills that are shooting through the roof. Uh, yeah, I mean... That's kind of what we're fighting right now. I, I don't know what I can do personally to, <laughs> to, to make this a, a better 
place to live. But yeah, yeah, I think we're just trying to work our way through each day at a time and and taking care of each other. We have to take care of each other, and you have to take care of yourself. It is true that that everything is more expensive now, and it's 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 it's. Uh, the paychecks the paychecks haven't changed oh yeah canada's getting slammed too the the paychecks haven't changed sadly so we have to be more creative and that's something as an artist too that a lot of people don't realize that all the side hustling that we have to do just to make it work for our own personal lives yeah i mean we, when we were touring in november we felt like we, we definitely noticed the the lack of ticket sales and i mean and and we saw a lot of shows being canceled last minute because of ticket sales and yeah, I mean, people in Europe are having a hard, real hard time and and holding on to their money and 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 focusing on what's important and we do that as well. But we're still musicians, so we need to focus on the musician stuff. As well. we need to live in both worlds. We can't like yeah, let's skip going on tour because. Keep coming on tour. Come, to- come, come, <laughs> come, come to North America, EF, so I could see you. I'd be so stoked. Has, has EF toured North America before? We haven't. We've been on our way two times, but it's fucking difficult to, to get things going. We, we don't really know how to do stuff in, in on that side of the pond. It's tricky with the... With the visas and... Uh, oh, it's a pain. Yeah, it's, it's... Expensive as shit with the flights and... Uh, so we'll see. That's that's on our bucket list. We now when we're this old and been celebrating twenty years as a band, we have we have like a bucket list we need to fulfill before we're calling it quits <laughs> for real. And and and, and you uh, a, a proper America tour is, is on one of the list. E- even if we fucking lose money, on it, we 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 need to just do it. Come on, come on, Magui, come and tour North America and bring EF with you. Um, we need like the post rock king tour. That would be that would be sick. Caspian too. Come back. Caspian's busy because uh, uh, the drummer's got that band Som S O M, and he's touring with that a lot right now. So yeah, a collab. I like making collabs. I've released sixty to eighty beers in the past two years. I I just love doing it. Um, I'm trying to. I was trying. I'm I'm trying to get Sucrums to be a part of some new project that I'm doing right now. Um, if you could make a collab for EF. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be a beer. It could be a tea. It could be a hot, anything that really fits your band's brand. What would that be? I mean, we, we, there's so much things that we haven't been doing. Like we see a lot of bands are doing. It's, it's everything from coffee to to pedals. EF is so fucking safe. I don't. I don't really sure what to answer on that question. What what, what we want to do? Because we're such different individuals. So I I I I. I I have to to I, I can't really answer that question. I believe that's okay. That's okay. What would be perfect for EF? I'm thinking for myself now. Something chill, a beanbag, so you could sit in it and enjoy EF. <laughs> Maybe a beanbag. It's it's hard to sell at the merch table though. It's, it's horrible. It takes a lot of full truck of beanbag. <laughs> yeah, that's no, but it, it would probably be nice to do something something electronic at least. I think. That's something for the future to to hold on to. I like that. I like that very much. One last question. It uh, probably doesn't happen to you very often, um, but 
According to Robin, uh, you guys are not the most typical post-rock band. You guys are a bit more crazy than other post-rock bands, he said. It's something about the first time he met you, and you guys were pretty intoxicated. So every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Uh, our hangover cure is to actually get up in the morning and eat a good, a big breakfast. If, if it's served, it's not always you end up at a, at a place where who serves you breakfast when you're playing. But get up early, fight the hangover, and eat a great breakfast and get out in the, in the fresh air a little bit. And not just stay in bed and feel sorry about yourself. I think it's that's true. You need to start, get moving. Uh, I think that's, that's the best one. It's true, because if you bask in a hangover, it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to fight the hangover. I think it's important. The, the, the more you feel sorry about yourself, the worse it gets. So, I, and usually when you're a hangover on tour, it's you're always on the road. So you wake up and 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 you you get say, sit in a van, and then you sit in the van for six hours. So the hangover just gets worse for six hours. That that's a problem. <laughs> it's so no easier when you're on home. tour. <laughs> no hangovers uh, on tour, people. I mean, you, you always hang over the first two or three days. Then after a while, it gets your more normal states. More pace. You, you, your pacing gets better. Yeah, gets, exactly. You're less excited to be on the road. <laughs> yeah. But I, I believe that the, what you said about uh, uh, that we're not really the typical post-rock band, that's, that's, I think that's also been a problem for us. We, we haven't... As I said, we, for us, it's more about a getaway for maybe one or two weeks when we're out on tour. We're not we're not living the tour life. We we are more we focus to release an album and maybe we do two, two, three, four weeks of shows and then we're then we're focusing on the next album or something. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and when you're on a tour for only two weeks, you you kind of have the urge to to take it all in. Do it all. Take it all in. Yeah, do yeah. it all. You, you, you don't have all. time to like FOMO. wait to the last last night or exactly. something. Exactly. Like you might you never know. I, do, I yeah. there's are moments like that where I would approach touring and is this the last tour? You know what I mean? I should I should I should, I should live it as if it is almost. Yeah, I mean sleep. You can sleep when you're old. And, and, exactly. Uh, and, exactly. Uh, so so we're, we're we we we're not the ones that sit down in a, in a cozy jazz bar and read a read a good book and, and drink a, a glass of red wine and well now now i'm even more excited for you to come over to montreal so that we could i could take you out and we, you, you can sleep when you're older yeah <laughs> I, I mean it's on a bucket list so you probably can expect the worst I love it. I love it. Nicholas, thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about life, talking about music, uh, talking about post-rock, something that I love, drinking a craft beer. I had a great time. Everyone go check out We Salute You, You and You. Came out on November 4th via Pelagic Record. It's a great record, and I'm stoked for the new music that's coming. Massive cheers to you. This was amazing. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this is an awesome conversation. I love, love EF. I'm not sure if I got that point across enough throughout the episode. I feel like I told him a lot, uh, but it's true. I, I sincerely do love post-rock. I don't talk about it very much, but it's uh, something that I've truly fell in love with over the past 10 years, and it's a genre that I keep going back to. These are albums that I re-listen to, that I revisit, and I'm very, very stoked that Nicholas told me that the genre is not, as I thought, dead or dying, that in fact it is being revitalized.
revitalized by young new bands that are inspired by all the bands that I love. So that makes me very excited. And I'm also very humbled that Nicholas was so open about the time off that EF took and what went into bringing the band back. I truly am grateful that he opened up about that because it's not always easy being in a band and sometimes it's actually really hard. So thank you, Nicholas, for opening up and talking about that because it's not easy. I feel like more people have to understand that and know that you love this music that's being created, this art that's being created. Sometimes the people that are making it are suffering. So, so massive, massive cheers to Nicholas for spending some time with me, being awesome, being in a great post-rock band that I love, and being an open, vulnerable human. I appreciate that very much. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. We'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You also get to hear about any projects that I have in the works before I announce them to the public, such as Killer projects like pit culture and haze wars um, two massive projects that i've been working on for the past few months that are going to see the light of day very soon you will also get to see which albums the vox and hops album review crude have reviewed recently you'll get to see which artists i will be including into the vox and hops artist spotlight and you'll get to see which albums jerry monk vox and hops's metal architect has added to the brutal awakenings playlist the brutal awakenings playlist is available on both apple music and spotify and it is packed with literally the best new releases each week. And uh, Jerry does a great job at finding these gems and putting them on the Brutal Awakening playlist for all of our listening enjoyment. Trust me, you're looking for something new to listen to? The Brutal Awakenings playlist has you covered. There's always a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I have one more episode coming up this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.